Uh, my name is Sarah. I've been on staff with Crew for like three years now. Um, I'm an OU alum and just like fell in love with Athens and also what God's doing here and just wanted to stick around. Um, some fun little things about me. Uh, this summer I just got married. It was so fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I said that if my wedding is a success, that I will be married by the end of the day, and my husband Alex will say, you look nice, and those things happen, so it was like a huge success. Um, yeah, before, before Alex and I got married, I had a little, a little Athens family unit that was just me, and also my roommate and her cats, but also my cat, who is very near and dear to me, Gizmo. I love him. He's 13 light of my life so it used to be just kind of me and him and the girls but now it's me and him and Alex and it's like this fun little sitcom where I like love my roommates my cat my husband and they like avoid each other at all costs and don't interact <laughs> but it's like totally fine and, and fun for me at least so that works out uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun we make it work uh, so yeah, good time all around. But yeah, I'm so glad you're here with us tonight. I know week five is kind of the time that like exams happened either last week or this week. How many people have had an exam like in the last week? Oh, so everyone, cool. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> really glad you made time in your week to be here tonight uh, to spend time looking at the word together, diving into who God is. Um, if you've been with us in the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at some passages in the book of John, um, which is a book of the Bible that tells us all about Jesus's life and ministry, and it's a really good place to start reading if you don't know where to start reading your Bible. Um, but I'm really excited because tonight we get to jump in to a passage that is really special to me that I really love a lot. Um, so we're going to be looking at John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up, um, and we're going to be looking at uh, like the first 10 verses, so it's a little bit long, um, but we are going to just gleam a couple of truths from it about this guy named Peter and about Jesus, and then ultimately some truths about ourselves. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these first 10 verses. They'll be up on the screen for us. Then I'm going to pray, and we'll jump right in. So I will get started. So starting in verse 1, it says... Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. From supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into what this passage has to say. Um, God, I thank you for your word that teaches us about who you are. I pray tonight you would reveal yourself to us through your word, that you um, would use me, use each other to instill truth in our hearts about who you are so that we could love you more rightly. Amen. Great. 
So before we kind of dive in, I want to set the scene a little bit and explain what's going on. Um, yeah, in, in these first few verses, we get a lot of context about like what Jesus is doing, but before that, there's, there's even more context to know. Um, so just before this, Jesus has been teaching and performing miracles and sharing what he often calls the way of the kingdom with like a ton of people. Um, and he's been doing this in the company of these 12 students, or what the Bible will call disciples, um, that are following him around and learning from him. Um, and so just a page or two before this, Jesus has actually started telling these disciples um, about what's about to happen, that Jesus is going to be killed and then three days later resurrected. Uh, the disciples haven't really like caught on to what that means yet, so they're just kind of following along with what happens. Uh, but, but this moment we're jumping into is a pretty big turning point in Jesus's ministry uh, because this is the night where Jesus will be betrayed by one of these students and then taken to what will, will end up being his death before he, he rises back to life. Um, so it turns into a little bit of a dark scene, but before that happens, where we're jumping in at 13, Jesus is spending his final hours before his death with his closest friends, instilling some final truths to them, and I, I think it's a really awesome window into Jesus' heart. Okay, so that's a lot, of, a lot of context, but that's kind of where we're jumping in, and it feels important to know. Um, so... We see from kind of verses 1 to 3 that Jesus knows that his hour has come, meaning he knew he was going to be betrayed, he knew that he was going to go to the cross, and the text tells us something about his perspective on the final hours and what he does with them. It says that he loves his people to the end. Jesus doesn't panic, he doesn't like isolate himself all by himself, um, and he doesn't even reject the, the guy in his midst that's actually going to betray him that night, but he welcomes him in, and he loves him and all of his other students until the very end. Um, and the passage that we're looking at is, is an image of actually how Jesus loves his people, and we see that that's through an act of like selfless service. Um, and so kind of looking in at verses 4 and 5, it tells us that Jesus, he lays aside his outer garments, he takes a towel and he ties it around his waist, pours water into a basin, and starts washing the feet of his disciples. So Jesus' expression of love for his people is to wash their feet. Uh, he is their teacher and their Lord, and he's about to become their savior. He actually like submits himself to the lowest place he could go, and he washes their feet. I find it like so telling of Jesus's heart that he would spend his time before the cross, which we often think of as like this ultimate expression of love through sacrifice. He would spend those last hours expressing more love through more sacrifice in just a smaller way. And I think he does this because that's just who Jesus is. Um, it's, it's what's in his heart and choosing to sacrificially love humanity um, is just who he is. And so that's what we see him do in a way that seems pretty gross. Jesus gets into like the gross and the griminess of the disciples. So let's be honest, their feet don't look like our feet that are like in nice pretty shoes and socks all day. They were like probably looking a little bit more like this. They were nasty. <laughs> These feet have been in sandals, walking through the desert for miles. They're probably caked with crustiness down every little crevice. They're gross. <laughs> and so Jesus is actually like literally getting into the grossest part of the disciples. And it's gross. <laughs> but I think there's a deeper meaning here besides just super gross feet. 
These feet are probably the dirtiest part of the disciples, and that's where Jesus is actually drawn to go in and start doing work for them. He gets a towel, and he gets water, and he actually gets into the mess, and he gets, gets in there to make it clean. He doesn't view his people as like a jump scare, um, but he's actually eager to get right in there and make them clean. Um, but I want to zero in for a little bit on how Peter actually responds to this moment, because I think it tells us a lot about all of us in our own hearts. So if we look kind of towards verse 6, um, it tells us that he comes to Simon and he says, or, or Simon Peter, he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus says, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will. Peter replies, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I think this response is so, so interesting. We get almost two distinct and different reactions from Peter. And so we're going to take a few minutes to look at each of them and dig a little bit deeper. First, we kind of get Peter, like, resisting Jesus. Um, Jesus approaches him, starts to wash his feet, and Peter, to me, almost seems confused. He's like, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like, what are you doing? He doesn't exactly say, why are you doing this? But it seems almost that that's what he's wondering, because that's what Jesus addresses in his response when he says, you're not going to understand this, at least not right now, not yet. Um, and, and Peter, because he doesn't understand, he actually rejects Jesus. He says, you shall never wash my feet. I, I sometimes imagine and wonder if Peter like, kind of yanked his little feet away from Jesus, like literally recoiled himself from the hand of Christ in this moment. Um, and he just rejects his efforts. Uh, and I, I think there's so much meaning kind of beneath the surface in that action I think when Peter says, you shall never wash my feet, he was actually saying a whole lot of other things, too. I think he might have been saying something like, Jesus, you can't look at the dirtiest part of me. Jesus, you can't handle how messy this piece of me is. Or maybe, Jesus, I'm just too far gone for you to make me clean at all. Peter maybe doesn't understand why Jesus would want to get up close and personal in this super gross part of him. Maybe he thinks that Jesus is like people. He wants to just avoid all the icky parts and like pretend they're not there and maybe never bring them up. Uh, but that's, that's not what the person of Jesus is actually like. He's committed to loving his people to the very end, and he loves to sacrifice for them. It's the outpouring of his heart, and it's who he is. So he gets in there, and the, the gross parts and the unseeable parts, the uncleanable parts... And he leans in and, and, and brings a way to make them clean. And so Jesus kind of presses in with Peter in this moment a little bit more and starts uh, to explain why this is actually necessary. And I like how he does it because Jesus kind of like hears Peter out and just explains what would happen if Jesus didn't wash his feet like Peter is asking him to. And the consequence that we see in verse 8 is that Peter would have no share with Jesus. Um, his eternal relationship with Jesus is kind of on the line if he doesn't allow Jesus to come in and make him clean in this way, even though he'd really rather hide it. Um, and the reality is that Jesus really wants to do this. He wants to have a share with Peter. He wants to be in relationship. I mean, that's like why he's getting into the foot thing. But Peter, Peter's kind of rejecting it. But I mean, deeply, Peter wants this too. He has abandoned everything he knows, his family and his occupation, to follow Jesus for years. 
He wants to be in relationship with him. But his pride and his fear and maybe even some shame get in the way in this moment. But once Peter kind of realizes the gravity of the situation and how much is on the line, he sort of changes his tune like a whole lot and very abruptly. Um, A switch seems to kind of flip in Peter and he seems like he starts freaking out and he starts asking Jesus to wash his hands too and also his head and like just my feet is not going to be enough. Uh, Peter thinks that if his whole relationship with Jesus is on the line here, then just his feet is not going to be enough to make him clean. And I, I love how Jesus responds. We see him press in and just say really simply, the one who is washed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. I love how direct and clear that is, that Jesus just says, he, he follows that up and says, you are completely clean. I, and I just imagine myself as Peter in this panic, imagining that Jesus isn't doing enough and he doesn't understand. Um, but Jesus leans in and just says, you are completely clean. And maybe beneath the surface, Peter right now is starting to realize like, oh, this could actually be more meaningful than just something about, about washing my feet. Um, He's not really just asking for Jesus to do more like of a bath, but he's leaning in and wondering if what Jesus is doing is really enough for him. Maybe he's thinking, Jesus, you don't understand. I'm a lot messier than you realize. Um, It's not just my feet, but it's actually all of me that's messy. Maybe he's thinking, Jesus, it's going to take a lot more work than you think to make me clean, or the work you're doing isn't enough for how broken I actually am. Peter knows that Jesus needs to do this cleansing work, and he even kind of starts to let him in this moment, but he doesn't seem to actually trust that Jesus' work is sufficient for him. But Jesus, in his like awesome, all-knowing nature, seems to know that Peter's experiencing these doubts and just reassures him really simply and tells him that, this is enough, I only need to wash your feet and you will be completely clean. The reality is I, I like don't think that this story is just about uh, Peter and Jesus. Um, I, I think all of us have felt like Peter in some way or another in this moment. I think we've all probably realized at some point in our life that there's something in us that feels pretty dirty or broken. We've experienced our own selfishness. We have lied to people close to us or hurt others with our words and actions, whether we meant to or not. Uh, sometimes it's all too easy to see our own brokenness, uh, but it's not as easy to admit that it's actually there to other people or especially to God. Uh, we we want to hide our broken parts from him and from each other and kind of present our best version and, and put our best foot forward to God. Um, and even when we bring those broken parts to God after we kind of work through all of that complexity, it's a whole other thing to wonder if does God actually forgive me? Does what Jesus did on the cross actually make a difference for how I can stand before God? Uh, maybe tonight you're here with us and you feel like Peter in, in this moment where he's resisting Jesus. Maybe you feel like your life is too messy for Jesus to get close to you. It feels like the choices you've made or the things you've done have somehow disqualified you from knowing him. You feel like he's unwilling to get close to you because of the mistakes you've made. And I know I've felt this way before, looked at my life and been like, oh, this is never going to work, it's, it's too broken. 
Um, And if that's how you're feeling tonight, I just want to share some truth with you. Um, Jesus is not afraid of your mess. Just like he tied a towel around his waist for the disciples, he's willing and fully ready to take on your mess and actually make it something new and something beautiful. All you have to do is let him. There's no such thing as too far gone in the eyes of Christ. Uh, Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for sin and rose from the grave just so we could be close to him in our mess. It's the thing that he deeply desires, and it's actually the fruit of his ministry when we come to him in our brokenness. It's his desire to wash you clean and bring healing to you and to make you new. And all you have to do is let him come close and show him the very parts of you that you think maybe he can't handle. And he's really eager to be with you in those messy moments. But maybe you're here and you find yourself like Peter in a different way. Maybe you aren't sure if the work of Jesus is actually sufficient for you. You've seen that Jesus needs to wash you clean. Maybe you've already even asked him to and accepted Christ as the one who's going to change your life. Uh, But maybe you're wondering if the cross has actually done it, if it really worked and has done enough to free you from guilt before God. Maybe you find yourself asking for God's forgiveness over and over, wondering if it's really working or really doing anything. Maybe you find yourself looking at Jesus and wondering, has he really done enough to forgive me for that one thing, that thing that happened last week or that thing that I thought two years ago? Has he done enough to forgive me for that? And if that's you, I want you to know um, that Jesus has done enough for you to be fully forgiven when you're in Christ Jesus actually tells us on the cross um, that it is finished, and that gets to be true for you too if you're in Christ. Uh, Through him, the cleansing and forgiving work of the cross is completely sufficient and available to you. The wondering and the fearing and the begging for forgiveness over and over, it gets to be finished. Um, And the sins that you have struggled with in the past and even still struggle with in the present get to be fully forgiven because of the fully sufficient and enough work of the cross. You don't have to add your own work to Christ, but his alone is totally enough for you. I'm going to pray in a minute to kind of close our time together, um, and then we're going to move into some time of worship, but I want to invite you to reflect on these truths as we're singing, and invite the Lord um, to teach these things to you and instill them deeply. I think as people, we're like always tempted to believe that the work of Jesus is maybe not as good as it seems, or we're making it sound too generous or forgiving. Um, But whether we think we're ineligible for the work of Christ because of what we've done, or we're worried that maybe what Jesus did isn't enough for us, um, I want to tell you that that's not true. And the reality of the gospel is that God's grace is perfectly measured for you. It's perfectly measured for me and for all of us. Scripture tells us that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks and all we have to do is open up the door for him to come in and be with us. And I think this passage also tells us that Jesus sits at our feet with towels and with water and wants to make us clean and make us new. All we have to do is trust that his work, his grace, and his forgiveness is actually perfectly enough for us. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you so much for the gift of your word and that it's true. Lord, I thank you that um, you have changed the lives of so many of my friends in this room through the work of the gospel. Pray you'd continue to make that work um, 
be grounded in their hearts that they could believe it to be true. Lord, I thank you that your work on the cross is perfectly sufficient for all of us. Um, No matter how we're feeling, the truth is unwavering in Christ. So we thank you for the generous gospel that is always sufficient for us. Uh, In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the One.